everybody welcome back to the saber metrics podcast we're on season two episode nine been a while since our last podcast we got a bunch to talk about uh i'm walt here alongside my co-host bill how you doing bill doing well it has been a while but i'm really excited to get into this one um i think leading off this is something that happened a while ago and it's a little bit behind us in a sense but something that we wanted to kind of throw our two cents in on was uh jack eichel's return to uh to buffalo and the buffalo sabers obviously winning that game 3-1 krebs and tuck both scored um you know great game for the sabers you know was part of a a great stretch for them as well but uh obviously what everyone wanted to talk about was his comments after the game walt what did you think of the game i know you were there uh and then what did you think about uh what eichel said after the game I mean, I thought, I mean, the game itself, I thought the atmosphere was awesome. Uh, I mean, I think there's only about like 13,000 people there, but it's probably one of the loudest crowds of 13,000 I've seen at that arena. So definitely a fun game to be at. It seemed like, I mean, I feel like there are a lot of people wearing Eichel jerseys there, but I mean, there are also people wearing Eichel jerseys that were booing him every time he touched the puck. So it's kind of like, I feel like once people got caught up in like the crowd type of stuff, it was just almost a community boo every time he touched the puck but yeah i mean pretty crazy game i mean kind of like a storybook game with the way it ended with uh alex tuck uh stripping the puck away and scoring the empty netter but yeah the comments at the end of the game i mean i feel like for me personally i know that kind of like turned me off on really like i feel like i've been a big eichel defender this whole time and I don't know those comments. I mean, I feel like just as a fan, I feel like I don't know how those could sit well with anyone. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely become a defender too, and I'll still defend him on like the whole they should have let him do what he wanted with the surgery kind of thing. But that was your opportunity. If you were going to call out anyone, you should have called out management or ownership because like they were the ones that screwed you this entire time. Like fans were as supportive as possible throughout all the bad times. Like they weren't the ones that were putting out crappy teammates and like making Josh George's play like top four minutes for your teams. Like that's not the fans' fault. That's management. That's ownerships. And so for him to like go after the fans like that was that that really turned me off it's just like oh man like i'll still defend you on the whole like merit of wanting to get your surgery um but yeah man i mean obviously what he said before was like scripted he obviously was told by brisson like hey you have to be cool about it and then yeah yeah, after the game brisson couldn't get a hold of him to say like hey man like i know you're pretty steamed right now because you thought you were going to be like the get a hero's welcome you thought you were going to get a hattie and and stick it to the sabers and you simply just did not do that he looked rattled. I mean, I remember uh, Gianta went on 
um, with Reve and, and Peters after. And like Gianta was kind of, he was like pretty upfront about it. And you know, Gianta, he's like kind of like, he's been a captain and a leader all of his uh, professional life, um, probably his, his amateur as well. But um, when he was basically saying, you know, he, he looked rattled and kind of didn't really like throw Jack under the bus, but went along with the guys basically ripping him. Uh, that kind of told me a lot too. And so, yeah, man, those were just really tough, tough comments to make because one, you're a meme now. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> really? I, I mean, it's just, I, saw, I love it. I saw DraftKings on their, yeah. their main account. They yeah. tweeted out in response to like yeah. another tweet. That was, that was great. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's just, it's not looking good for them too uh, because in their last 10, they're three and seven. And since Eichel's return, they're six, 11 and one. Now, while we are all dunking on them, and it feels great to you know kind of shove it in Eichel's face, we also have to realize one, they have a lot of injuries, not only right now, but they've had them this entire season, um, and at the same time, like they also kind of screwed themselves. I still don't fully understand the situation of the Dadenoff trade, but I'm not enjoying it as much to stick it to Eichel. I am, but I'm enjoying their downfall simply because the Sabres have their first round pick and it's top 10 protected. But if it's 11 through whatever, it's a Sabres and I want to get it. I want to get 11 or as close to 11 as I possibly can. Um, so one, do you understand what's going on with the whole dad and off thing? I kind of got halfway through it. I, some personal news. I started a new job and that's pretty much consuming all of my time. So I got like halfway through an explanation of what was going on with dad and off. And then I got pulled away. But um, yeah, I mean, like Vegas isn't looking great right now. Uh, you're probably listening to this on Friday. We're recording Thursday evening. They do play Nashville tonight. Nashville is has a first wild card spot. Vegas currently is on the outside looking in. Um, Nashville seven three uh, seven three and zero in their last ten. I mean, it's not looking good for them. The Leonard's out. Uh, Stone's out. They have the Dadnoff issue. I mean. How bad is it for Vegas right now, and how good is it for for Buffalo to have their first round pick uh, starting to look like it's going to start creeping towards the top ten? Yeah, I mean it's definitely looking pretty rough for Vegas. I mean, especially with that Dadanoff situation, because now I mean now they need to find a way to clear salary after the trade deadline hit. And as you know, uh, no players acquired by a team after the trade deadline will be able to play for that team. I know. I mean, it kind of goes around that, like, oh, you could play in the regular season, not the playoffs. But, like, wherever Dadanoff gets dealt to is after the trade deadline, he just won't be able to play. So, I mean, it's just hard to find buyers that would kind of be interested in that, especially at this point, unless they have to give up a major asset because no team really wants to take on a guy that won't play and have to pay him. Uh, I feel really bad for him. Back. I feel really, yeah. really bad for him. He didn't do anything wrong. Like, I feel really bad for the guy. Um, I mean, that's just, yeah. that's just brutal. I mean, Hey, if you want to send over Brendan Brisson and, and dad and off, take him. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's cool with me. Eichel in a first back. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I, like, I saw those up. That was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. But with, uh, yeah, with their whole situation, I mean, their team, it's not that young either. I mean, Eichel is definitely kind of on the younger side of their core, like stones in his thirties, Pacioretty's in his thirties, uh, I think Marcia So is probably close to 30. I know Riley Smith is in his 30s. William Carlson, I think, believes like 28, 29. Yeah, he's pushing Petrangelo's And he's having a tough 30s. year. He's having a real yeah. tough year. I mean, he is he's a shell of what he was before. Um, I forget who said it. I think it might have been 
either Reve or Peters or someone that was on with them um, basically saying like they were like the underdogs and it was like, you know, everyone didn't want us thing. And they ended up having that historic run, but now they've, they've started to try to like turn it into an all-star team. And it was all like underdog and chemistry and stuff like that. And then they started bringing in all these big names and it's not going as well. Um, So, I mean, if this is kind of a, a trend going forward, I, 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 the biggest thing with me is some people were saying, well, I'd rather just have their 2023 pick. I wouldn't bank on that because if they are healthy next year, that roster on paper is pretty lethal. Yeah. You know, I so like I really estimate how good stone is. I feel like once they get stone back, I feel like they will be a completely different team. Exactly. Um, and, and assuming maybe Carlson picks up his game a bit, and, you know, they kind of figure out their, their goaltending situation because they had a great thing when it was Leonard and, and Flurry. because if one of them went down, the other one was right there. But Leonard gets hurt, they have to yeah. turn to someone that they don't have a ton of faith in. Um, so that's just a, a big problem for, for Vegas, and that's a big cheering point for the Sabres. Again, I'm also cheering to kind of watch Michael crash and burn after what he said. Uh, but at, it's the <laughs> biggest reason, the the most significant reason, is that draft pick. I really don't think the 2023 is going to be better than it will be this year. That's just what I'm thinking on it. So I'd say uh, hope that they continue to sputter. Not bad enough that they'll be top 10, but I think they have enough points in the bank that I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so we'll see what's happening there. Something to monitor, something we'll obviously be talking about as we move forward in the season. Uh, moving forward in this episode, Sabres won the Heritage Classic uh, a couple days after beating Eichel uh, against Toronto up in Hamilton. Really fun game. Sounded like it was really cold for people. But um, what did you think of you know the spectacle, the game? What did you think about uh, Dylan Cousins laying out Austin Matthews um, and then t- himself turning into a meme, but like in the fun way? Um, you know, kind of what what were your thoughts on the Heritage Classic? Do you, how'd you like the jerseys? I thought they looked great. Um, I was really scared when Terry Pagula walked up to Dylan Cousins. I was just like, please don't say something stupid to this kid. Anyway, what were you thinking, <laughs> um, you know, just during that entire event? I mean, it definitely seemed like a fun event. I definitely wasn't expecting the Sabres to come out on the winning end. I feel like... I think it was I our know, first win like, outdoors. Yeah. I feel like they're so bad outdoors. And to finally win one, I mean, I know... They would have won that game without like a bunch of lucky bounces, but I mean that's just a game of hockey, and I was great to see like the young guys get together and be able to pull that one out. I mean I know like Krebs, he probably has memories that'll last a lifetime with the game he had, and same with Cousins with uh, laying out Matthews and getting kicked out of the game, and then celebrating his teammates behind the glass afterwards. And it's just a really fun game, and I feel like it really helped. Like, tie kind of the Buffalo Sabres fan community together with, like, this young group and kind of try to get people back on board and start uh, believing in this team again. Absolutely. Uh, it was just a fun night. It was just a fun night to well, – anytime you beat Toronto, it's a great day. You know, it's just the rivalry. And, you know, anytime they beat the Sabres, I mean, I'm sure it's not as big for Leafs fans, but – it is for Sabres fans. It's a fun rivalry. It's the same thing with like Boston or whatever. You just want to beat your rivals, or um, it's like the same thing when a when a player comes back. He's gonna get booed. He's gonna get booed. How did you not expect that, Jack? Anyway, moving <laughs> moving back to the Heritage Classic. I think the biggest thing for me was you had guys like Peyton Krebs and Vinny Henestrosa, like your your 
maybe not even your second scoring option, your third scoring options were making an impact out there. Um, and then you have, you know, Tage polishing off the game. And um, I just thought it was a, a really cool spectacle. I liked the jerseys. I even liked Toronto's. I thought the Sabres were better, but Toronto's were still pretty cool, I guess. Um, so it was just an awesome spectacle. Hopefully they can continue to do that stuff. I really think, I don't know how they're going to do it. It's never going to happen because I don't think you can. Remember when they had the game by Lake Tahoe and that spectacle was really cool? I know they had like some like seven-hour delay or some bullcrap, but that really sucked for yeah. everyone involved. But if they could do something like that near Niagara Falls, I don't know how they would do that. But if you could somehow get that in the background of a hockey game, oh, my God. I Again, I have no idea how you're going to do it. Probably never going to happen, whatever. But if you just kind of thinking of that spectacle for – you know, a Toronto Sabres game and having Niagara Falls in the background, that would just be sick. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it is. Unlikely, but whatever. That'd be pretty – I've never thought that before. I mean, maybe on the Canadian side, there's like a big plot of land that could maybe put the ice on that overlooks the falls. I mean, I feel like that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I wonder, like, if the mist started coming towards the the rink oh, as yeah. well. That'd be interesting, but whatever. I mean, that's we're, – we're really starting to get the tinfoil hats together on this one. We still have plenty to cover. Um, we're just going to move straight to the trade deadline. I know Sabres played well, um, kind of continuing through that uh, Heritage Classic. I mean, those those games before the, the Vegas game, obviously the Vegas game, and then games after um, – a lot of a lot of good things. Yeah, the the Oilers games were awful, or game was awful. It was tragic to watch. Unfortunately, I missed the the Calgary Flames one. I was traveling, um, but you know they fought the Calgary Flames to a zero zero game at the end of regulation, and then yeah, I mean they got a lucky bounce because Markstrom whiffed, but they stuck with it the entire game and they ended up winning. So that's great for them and. Um, obviously Darlene and his emergence the past couple games, you know, playing in Vancouver, getting the game winner there. Cousins had like literally the entire territory of, uh, wherever he lives, the Yukon up in there. They, they all came down. That was awesome to see. Uh, you got Krebsy last night, uh, doing the pregame, getting all, getting the boys hype. You had Jeff Skinner, like sleeping in the corner. I know he was probably focusing, but if you if you go back and watch that where where Krebs is announcing the boys that are playing, look at 50, 53 stall. Buddy doesn't move at all. I made a I put out a tweet today. I thought it was funny. Looks like he's sleeping. Yeah. I, I'm sure he's probably like in the zone or whatever. But he did not move a muscle, and I just found it funny. Um, so moving on to the trade deadline, the only person that was dealt was Robert Hag uh, for a sixth round pick in ah crap uh, this year's draft, I believe, um, if I'm not mistaken, or it might be next year's. Uh, now I now I forget, but um, you know what were your thoughts on? It is a six round pick, uh, I believe it's Calgary's, if I'm uh, not mistaken. What were your thoughts yeah. on Hag as uh, part of the Ristolainen trade? Um, him as a player here, I mean, I would say, do you have any desire to resign him? It's going to be a no because there's such a logjam on the left side side. But do you have a desire? to add another player like a Robert Hag if you can? Uh, or do you think maybe having a guy like Samuelson and Power and Dolly and guys like that, that's enough when it comes to more of a defensive defenseman thing? I mean, Dolly's not a defensive defenseman. Power really isn't either. But you you understand my drift. So what are your thoughts on uh, Hag and, and his time here in Buffalo? I mean, I always just kind of viewed him just as a thrown on the wrist alignment trade. And he was definitely a guy that I feel like had to go. I mean, really, just with the way Samuelson's been playing. I mean, I don't think you want 
an older guy that really doesn't have a future here taking away ice time from Samuelson. And apparently, like, the rumor around Robert Haig, according to Emily Kaplan, was that he didn't like being around a team of a bunch of young guys. So, I mean, that's like definitely not a guy you'd want around on a rebuilding team. Really? So, I, didn't, I did not see that report. Well, get yeah. the hell out, dude. That's the entire team. All right. I mean, whatever. <laughs> you were better than Ristolainen. Like, it was addition by subtraction right there. And, yeah. Um, he really like started off. if he, like, wasn't an eighth overall pick. Like, right. that's probably what Ristolainen would be. He blocked more shots, too. I mean, like, Ristolainen would just try to hit people. Instead, like, Hag yeah. would just try to actually, like, block the shots. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you really didn't want to be here, see ya. Whatever. Like, if he's not going to be come back, and my philosophy is you usually, like, within reason, if guys aren't going to resign here, you, you trade them, you know, even if it's a sixth-round pick, fifth-round pick. Now, that being said, Colin Miller, uh, Vinny Hinnestrosa, Craig Anderson, oh, there was another person. I mean, Olafson wasn't going to get dealt. I don't really think there was anyone. Eakin, uh, that's who I was forgetting. None of those guys were dealt. Um, to be fair, I can I can sympathize with you don't want to get rid of all of those guys and then have to like start pulling even more guys from Rochester as they're trying to to make the playoffs. We will be getting into Rochester shortly, but um, you know I, I understand you don't want to collect like six six round picks. For all those guys, you're like the you know you're getting rid of some roster. Imagine you have to fill all those spots, then a couple other guys get dinged up, hurt, whatever like that. You know, God forbid, but it happens. It's hockey. You know, you're really pulling out of out of Rochester, and that's just depleting them even worse. Um, so I mean, like, and I'm not someone that's going to sit here and defend saying like you can't take anyone from Rochester. Those people are out in the woodworks again. Shut <laughs> up. Shut up. Yeah. You're an AHL team. This is what you're here for. Like, I, I don't really yeah. know what else to tell you. Like, I love Rochester. I live here in Rochester. I like going to their games. Don't go as often as I would like to, but that's just the way it is. Um, but you you have to know that this is the way it goes. And you have to know that you're part of the Sabres organization. This crap happens all the time, man. The, the amount of injury issues that the Sabres have gone through in the past, like, five to ten years – Along with just being garbage as well, it's just like, oh man! If you want to play in the NHL, even if you even if you're not going to make the Sabers or like the NHL out of camp, if you're going to play for Rochester and you have the ability to play for Buffalo, you're probably at some point going to play for Buffalo. Unfortunately, for the guys that are getting injured and stuff like that, so um, that was just kind of my spiel there. What was your thoughts on not getting rid? I shouldn't even say getting rid of because that seems like they're they're not doing anything. But trading some of these guys with expiring contracts, we will be getting into. Um, if you trade someone, then you know what are you what are your odds of bringing them back next year with who the Sabers already have under contract, who should be up here, stuff like that. We will be getting into that along with the Amherst talk a little bit later. Uh, I also forgot Pesic as well in that little. Uh, spiel there so when we have Hinnestroza uh Eakin oh my god I'm already forgetting um Pesic Anderson a lot of these guys are pretty easy to forget I feel like yeah I mean like look they're they're not part of the 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 all I'd say more than half of them are not going to be here next year with the Sabres what are your thoughts on not getting rid of them keeping this core together I mean my thoughts before I let you take over and, and go from there you just don't you, you can't deplete all of them. Maybe you could have chosen a, maybe one or two more 
you know, open up a spot for Jack Quinn, open up another spot for, I, I don't know, like Oscary Laxanen or something like that, see if he can handle himself in the NHL. Um, but other than that, like you can't, I, I get not wanting to get rid of all of those guys. I, I do understand that. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I know like the thing going around has been like, oh, Kevin Adams is just trying to like keep the group together. But I mean, honestly, from like the rumblings I've heard and kind of my own intuition, I mean, I really don't think that there's even any interest in any of the pieces the Sabres had. And I'm really not that surprised with like most of the pieces. I mean, I know Hinnestroza, he's the guy they put a high asking price on, but I mean, I feel like Eakin, they probably would have parted with for like anything. I feel like teams just didn't come knocking for him. And I feel like Miller too, I think that injury, I mean, I feel like that injury was killer. Only getting yeah. like, I believe like one or two games in before the deadline. Yeah, I mean, he just didn't look just great. so unlucky. Yeah, he just didn't have his yeah. game lungs back. And he just, he had a couple rough plays and guys are just like, look, we're just going to look elsewhere because we don't want to have to take a flyer on a guy who's, yeah. you know, maybe might be able to get back to, to true form or, or maybe this is how it's going to be for the rest of the season. Yeah, he's not cheap either. I mean, three point eight million cap hit. Sabres could retain half, but that's still nearly two million dollar cap hit. So I could see, kind of see why teams would stay away. But I also think he was better than a good chunk of right handed defensemen that were dealt that day. But I mean, at the same time with that injury, if you're a team gunning for the playoffs, maybe you want more of a sure thing than a guy bouncing back from an injury. So I mean, I guess overall, just like unfortunate. I mean, Pesic, he's a piece that I'd be. Re- willing to bring back i mean miller i mean i just I'm he's good. 29 i don't really see him having a future here even though they need right-handed defensemen i just feel like they could definitely look elsewhere and then looking at this cap friendly right now i mean yeah Eakin, he's gone i just don't think anybody in the nhl wanted him henestroza sounds like they're gonna try to resign and then hayden hayden's like i feel like he's like you're running the middle like journeyman fourth liner i mean there's a place for them in this league but they're definitely not guys that stay in in like one organization for like a decade i feel like yeah i like john I hayden too like i know he's probably yeah. not going to get re-signed and i put out a poll because like i knew people like tennis more than hayden i was trying to figure out exactly how much because like i really do like hayden um and but yeah, i don't know hennestro's speed is such a weapon and Hey, like you said, there is a spot for Hayden somewhere, but it is kind of like a journeyman. You're going to bounce around on teams. I want him to do well. I think he's better than sometimes he's given credit for, and then there's other times where it's just like, dude, if you if you could just finish, yeah. you'd actually you would you would be on a you'd be permanently somewhere. So unfortunately, I think just kind of like the youth and how many people are going to be with the Sabers going forward. I think he's just kind of forced out. I do like him, um, but at the same time, he is. It's like. It's like people losing their minds over, what is his name, Philip Myers, going through waivers. It's just like, how many, how often are you going to, (laughs) you know, break, make or break your team over a waiver claim? Yeah. It's just not often. He got loaned to another AHL team too, so his own AHL team didn't even want to keep him. Yeah, exactly. So, So like, freaking out over not picking him up is is kind of understandable. I mean, he's got, I feel like he's definitely like, I feel like he's like a big name around like like 2017 or something he's like oh the up-and-coming sleeper prospect but yeah he's i feel like his game really just hasn't panned out at the nhl level and i mean he's not it's not like he's he's still decently young but he's not young enough where it's like oh yeah this guy still has potential it's more like yeah i don't know what to do with him anymore i mean if you if you were being talked about when michael del cole was being talked about your time yeah. has kind of <laughs> passed 
Like, yeah. sorry. I don't know what Duck Hole was doing. I just know, like, I feel bad for the guy, but he just yeah, really I forgot looks... about that pick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> I don't feel too bad because they got Matthew Barzell after Boston whiffed three times. I still cannot believe they did that. That is not what we're going to get into, but let's just yeah. uh, let's take a moment of silence for those three picks in 2015. Um, that literally one of them could have been, what was it? Uh, they could have had Barzell, Kyle Connor and Thomas Chabot. So a uh, quick moment of silence to the Boston Bruins who are still absolutely disgusting. All right. Thank you for taking that moment of silence with us. Um, <laughs> taking a moment of silence as a Sabres podcast for the Boston Bruins, take some cojones. So I'm glad we went there because yeah. uh, well, they I are mean, significantly the, better than us. <laughs> yeah, the thing with that is, though, they would have picked, like, I mean, just a mix of guys, like Besser, Barzell, like Chillington, Konechny, Chabot. I mean, really just any of those guys. And if they would have just, like, picked those guys, they probably would have multiple Stanley Cups right now because yeah. they would have that top line with Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marshawn, and then they that are still only making like lineup. six mil pop. Yeah, I just you and you'd McAvoy. still be able to, Yeah, oh god, they'd be unstoppable, and they probably would have won that cup against St. Louis too. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like Jordan Bennington and his weird temper isn't going to be able yeah. to hold up against against those guys. So yeah, well, I mean, they're making playoffs, and, it, and the it Sabres cost them. <laughs> it did cost them. It did yeah. indeed. But um, all right, moving on to we said we we're going to talk about the AHL, so no better time to do it than now. Peyton Krebs, Matias Samuelson, and Casey Fitzgerald are all playoff eligible for the AHL. Um, that so is there anyone else that was down there that I can was Bryson ever down with Rochester this year? No, I don't, don't think so. Yeah, he never was. No, I'm just looking through the team. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, so uh, Asplund wasn't, of course. Um, yeah, so those are the guys that are on the Sabres right now that really have only played with Rochester. Yeah, no one else here that I'm like. Rasmus Dallin, he didn't play for Rochester, did he? Um, anyway, going to the uh, playoff race is kind of one of those. The Amherst are in Vegas' spot, except a little bit better, I guess, because like they're still technically in the playoffs, but they other teams below them have a lot of games in hand. So as of right now, five teams from uh, the North Division in the AHL will make it. The fourth and fifth seed have to play a three best of three play-in, which would end up playing Utica. Most likely will be Utica. They're, they're nasty this year. So you're playing in to play the number one seed. Rochester is number four right now. So they would technically have like two home games. Number five is Syracuse. Um, obviously, number one is Utica. Two is Laval, uh, the Canadians HL team. Then you have Milwaukee, which is, oh, who is Milwaukee affiliated with? I used to know this too. Are they still the Predators? I believe so. I believe you are correct. Because I remember Sean Malone went to the Predators organization Ended up playing an entire season. I, I probably thought he might have been able to make the NHL there. Ended up playing the entire season with Milwaukee, and then yeah, and then came back to Rochester. So, um, sounded actually speaking of Sean Malone, he came back from a long like a longer injury, and I think like the first game or two got hurt again. Uh, I was looking Andrew Ogilvy. I don't think has played at all this season. Um, you have to remember, oh, I like, forgot when, about that guy. Yeah, right. He was actually getting <laughs> touted as the guy that might be able to squeak into the bottom, 
bottom six, you know, especially if guys started getting injured or whatever. We also have to remember, um, you know, all the craziness with COVID and, and all those things when they, they, at one point, the NHL had a taxi squad in place as well. Uh, we also had a million goalies get hurt and not, you know, Michael Hauser, who's playing in the eight, ECHL was like starting for the Sabres and we have to remember some guy that was like an accountant or something like that that played for Kanisha's back in the day was starting games for Rochester so I mean for all the things they've had to go through I can't really speak to things other teams have gone through um, by the way Lavelle wouldn't be playing Milwaukee they'd be playing Toronto my eyes just deceived me big time um, I just realized that major mess up. Milwaukee isn't even in the North Division. They're in the Central. So that wasn't great. I know I'm kind of jumping around spots here. But when it comes to Rochester's playoff hopes, let's say they make it, um, are you excited at the possibility that not only you have Quinn Paterka getting that opportunity, but having Krebs, Samuelson, and Fitzgerald go down there too, my one question, obviously you're going to be excited about them getting that experience, but my question is, as a coach, you've had guys like Nick Boca and Jimmy Schultz and some other guys, you know, in their bottom bottom six in the forwards. You have those guys working their butt off every single game, you know, getting the Sabres or getting the Sabres, getting the Amherst to where they are. And then you have guys like Krebs Samuelson and Fitzgerald come down, and you you have you're the guy that's getting sat for that. Like, you're you're the coach, you're Seth Appert. What do you do? Do you do you give it to those guys that have that are coming down for the future of the Sabers, or do you give it to the guys that have been with Rochester this entire season and say, uh, yeah. sorry guys, like you know, I know you're coming down here, like you're you're you might be better players than them, but they've been here this entire season. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the nature of the game at that level, like, unfortunately, is I feel like with those guys, I mean, especially the guys that play in the minor leagues, there's always Some somebody game. kind of one step ahead of you, and there's always someone coming back from injury. There's always someone pushing you further down the ladder. So, I mean, like, AHL guys could get sent to, like, the ECHL. ECHL guys could I'll go to the SPHL. So, I mean, there's always, like, that factor, and I feel like for some of these guys, it's kind of expected, but... Yeah, I mean, it's definitely hard for the guys that have been playing all year to, like, not be able to play for another team in the playoffs. I mean, it's definitely kind of, like, a unique thing about uh, minor league sports. But, yeah, yeah, I think adding all those guys should help. But like you said, with that three-game series, like, it's like hockey. So, really, anything could happen. And the one thing I want to talk about the Amherst is, like, I have no idea. I honestly haven't watched many games of them this season, but... Notice, I mean, they just give up a ton of goals against. Like, I think they have the most goals against per game, like the third most. The only two that are worst are the two worst teams in the AHL, Tucson and San Jose. And the Amherst also score the six most goals in the AHL. So it's like, I don't even know what's going on over there. <laughs> are you worried? I mean, some of it was probably what I mentioned before when I was going off of my novel of a tangent about you know goalies and their defense and I mean at one point you know you had, you had Fitzgerald Samuelson um was there another defenseman that was called up from there um I mean you my the only concern I have with it like if that's happening that's not a good thing obviously but if it's affecting the players that have 
a future with the Sabres. Like if Jack Quinn and J.J. Paterka are learning really bad habits when it comes to defense or they're they're leaving the zone early and leaving their teammates out to dry and that's why they're getting scored on or stuff like that, that's where I really have a concern with it. If it's just like this is just kind of the season, how it's been, you know, there's obviously things we'd like to clean up. Uh, That's a little bit different to me. As, As long as the main prospects for the Sabres, even like a Biro. Um, you know, he saw kind of what he's been doing. I would assume he's going to start in Rochester again. next. I, he will start in Rochester again next season. But at the same time, I mean, there's there's potential there. So as long as they're not learning bad habits, I think that's my biggest thing. Is it concerning? Certainly. But I, I'm not horribly concerned over it. If that means Quinn, Paterko, they aren't a big part of the cause of that, if that makes sense. Is, is that something, is that kind of like a sentiment you share? Yeah, I mean, I'd say my biggest concern is really like kind of what, I mean, I honestly don't know what they're doing tactically down there, but I mean, obviously with any minor league system, you kind of hope they're learning the same system that they'll learn in the AHL, I mean, in the NHL, and I just have a hard time thinking that they could be using like the Sabres' current system and just be playing this type of like fire alarm style offense, defense game, unless the goaltending is just awful. I mean, maybe that's what's sinking their ship. But I mean, I don't like. I just don't know how they could go on a run, giving up. I think they average like over three goals a game. Like it's just hard to see them, even with adding the firepower, be able to go on a run, having to score at least four goals just to win. Sometimes five. Yeah, I mean, I think we've we've kind of seen, especially you know, playoff hockey. The rules like completely change, which is wild. You know, guys can get mugged and stuff like that. If you're a running gun team, kind of seen it with the Maple Leafs are a running gun team offensively in the regular season and things haven't really worked out in the, the postseason. So I don't know. I mean, there's your, there's your concern level of, uh, you know, they do have UPL and Aaron Dell down there. They have some veterans, you know, like Ethan Prowl, decent, like Ethan Prowl's an offensive defenseman, Oscar Laxon, an offensive defenseman. Um, I, I mean, I can't really speak for like Tishke, uh, Boca, you know, Mitch Elliott, who, whom, whoever yeah. that is, Jimmy Schultz. I Actually, can't really speak for them, but I mean, there's, and it's not all on the defense. I mean, defense is a team based thing too. Like your, your two defensemen can be doing all they can, but if your three forwards aren't really helping you out, then you're screwed. Like that's, you know, if you're getting scored on all the time, it's not strictly the defense. It's not strictly the goalies. It could be just a team thing too. And that's why, um, you know, not knowing specifically what kind of systems are, are being implemented you just you just hope that they are at least the principles oh god i said principles uh (laughs) i didn't mean that the ways of playing yeah let's go with that you know just like the way they're supposed to play is the can be translated translated to the sabers without having a negative defensive effect because it seems like with the sabers team like you just have to buy in defensively and you have to give it your all there's you know, sometimes you'll see guys like Jeff Skinner or other guys trying to to break because they do try to actually play like a run and gun style. But if you're playing defense, you you have to be 100% committed. And if that's not what's happening in Rochester, that's going to be a problem. This is all speculation on my part. I just I'm airing that out to, yeah. to just kind of put out there well, like I mean, you know you you really worry about the players that are just getting into bad habits frankly because sometimes they're they're tough to break but i mean 
there's got to be fluidity between the two teams. I have to assume that there's just, you know, defensive lapses, mental breakdowns, bad bounces, goaltenders letting in some soft goals because, yeah, the goalies are UPL and Aaron Dell, but I mean, that doesn't mean, you know, UPL stinks in the AHL for some reason. And Aaron Dell, yeah. I mean, <laughs> is what, you know, Aaron Dell's Aaron Dell. I'm not trying to crap on him too hard. He's just Aaron Dell. Um, and, and things no, happen. You, so. you, could, you could crap on him too hard. Okay. I hated that. I hated that hit on Batherson. Oh, that's oh my god! I compl- yeah. yeah. Uh, so Arundel yeah. sucks. He's I'll just never, not good at hockey, yeah. and he should stop playing. Um, <laughs> no, that that was actually super dirty hit. I forgot about that. Yeah. I don't think Batherson has has been back, and I think he was. I think it was a season ender. Wow. Yeah, I think you deserve never like apologized either or something. Like yeah, that. yeah, that was that was really bad. Um, he said something in the media like, "I hope he's not hurt," and it's just like, he, "Well, yeah, hey, hey asshole, yeah. he is." Like. He, he was going to the All-Star game, too. He, he missed out on the All-Star game, too, because he injured him. I mean, you should be sitting the bench in the AHL. And, like, yeah. if, <laughs> if it's your turn to start, they should be like, oh, sorry, we're seeing how Michael Hauser does here because you're not going to be part yeah. of our organization and we actually want to have Hauser as, like, our backup in Rochester next year or something. Like, I don't know. It's I understand it's someone you have to, like, he's on your team. He's, in a, he's a, you know, technically an employee of yours if you're management, but I don't know. You should feel pretty – you shouldn't go lenient on him just because he's your property. Like, he did something wrong and kind yeah, of acted like a jerk about a it dirty, He's done that before, too. I mean, he's been known to be, like, a goalie that tries to play out of his crease and, like, hit guys, like, trying to get around him behind the nuts. So, I mean, it's definitely not the first time he's – That just annoys the crap out of me, like especially when, I when you know, we're going after, you know, guys not being careful around goalies or, like – they just have that – it's like an unwritten thing where like I will do all I can to avoid you, but if you do that, you yeah. can't throw your shoulder into me. Or yeah, you know, if you start free range, <laughs> yeah. Or like if a goalie starts attacking you, like if you get punched, you don't get to immediately go down. Who was that? Um, was it Morazic against Joe Thornton, where he started like punching him, punching him, and Thornton just threw like one jab and the goalie went down like immediately. I'm pretty oh, sure it was. Yeah, it might have been. I think yeah. it might have been Morazic when he was playing for Detroit. I think. Yeah, it could. And a situation too happened last night in the uh, Blackhawks Ducks game. It was on after the Sabres game. I think like oh, yeah. Lafferty tried getting around Gibson and Gibson hit him and then like punched him and pushed him down. Gibson pushed Lafferty down afterwards, but like the goalies just don't get in trouble for that. Yeah, it's wild. Um, I don't really get it, but yeah, Aaron Dell, <laughs> man, that I just got my blood boiling. I mean, that's just that was such a dirty yeah. hit, and I mean, he, I, I would assume I, I would assume he regrets it, but he's just like being too hard headed to apologize and say he did something wrong, kind of thing. Because I mean, yeah. I don't. You have to be a you have to be a special kind of person in a in a bad way to to hurt someone and like feel no remorse like that. It was just a dirty play, <laughs> so I don't know. We're not gonna harp on it too much after this because. As I said earlier, way earlier at this point, um, we were going to talk about kind of the outlook for the Sabres next year and where things fit. As of right now, for guys that are under contract and playing for the Sabres, this does not include uh, Anders Bjork because he hasn't played in a while. And, oh, funny, would you look at that? The team isn't sucking. I'm not <laughs> I'm not putting all of that on him, but he's really bothered me this year. I, I'm sure he's upset with the way he's played too, but – He's just a non-factor every single game I've seen him play. So the fact that they're sitting him and sitting him for a prolonged period of time is kind of like what Granado did with Eakin last year. It's just like, good, if he's not playing well, 
sit him. I don't. I mean, Eakins won a couple kind of big draws recently. I, I I hate saying that, but it's true. So I'll give him that. But yeah, Anders Bjork, brutal. Um, yeah, we're not he's gonna, had a rough year. Not going to turn this into a bashing contest. Well, the thing is, is like he signed for next year too, and I think you were mentioning pre-show. Like, what are you going to do with him? I guess he's just like yeah, an automatic thirteenth forward. But I don't even want him. Yeah. I would rather give it to freaking John Hayden. At least he goes out there and does something. Like at least he hits someone. He's willing to stick up for a teammate. Um, tries to make moves and move the like Anders Bjork is just skating up and down the ice. And again, I'm sure he's yeah, upset I mean, with the way he's played too. But good God, he may be able to clear waivers too, honestly, because he has a 1.6 million cap hit, which is like more than twice as much as league minimum. So I mean, and he's maybe a league he'll... minimum player. He's just yeah, a maybe you can sneak player. him down to Rochester. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to assassinate the guy's character. I'm sure he's a fun guy, and everyone likes him. Like he's a, a, a lot he's of. He's had decent are... years too, but this year he's just. I mean, maybe it's just the Cody Eakin effect. I don't maybe know. Maybe <laughs> just those minutes alongside him has just destroyed him. I guess. That's yeah. happened well, to Tope. Yeah, happened to. Uh, that happened Tope. to Oposa last year. Oposa. Yeah, I mean, I'm just glad Oposa's yeah. playing better this year. After all the health things he's gone through, and he's just he's just an yeah. awesome guy. He's always been an awesome guy. When he was struggling, it was hard to like harp on him because like he gave you like personality wise, like off the ice, he gave you no reason to like go after yeah. him. Yeah, man, it was. Well, bad. I mean, yeah, really, just that line last night. I mean, I know they put Ekin on with uh, Gergensen's and Oposo, and you can kind of see how Oposo struggled because he's great when he gets guys that play his game. I mean, just the two men, just both wingers. Mm-hmm. I'm just playing down the boards, like feeding each other pucks, like really just give and go. And Eakin's literally just sitting like up in top of the slot, not even doing anything. I think there are two shifts like that. One of them they actually scored on. It's where Oposo and Gurnsons are just going at it. And that's kind of a spot where you just really miss a guy like Johan Larson, like a guy yeah. that loves playing that style, loves getting along the boards, loves having those type of like just draining offensive cycles that end in either a goal or an ozone face off and you just don't get that with Eakin like at all. There was a there was a point last game, it was I don't know if Krebs was on the ice. It was Bryson, Middlestat, Darlene was out there. I think might have talked. Remember where they hemmed in the Penguins? They were passing all over the offensive zone at will, moving if they, you know, wrap the puck around, there was a guy to retrieve it, and they pinned the Penguins in for like two minutes straight. It was wild. Um, yeah, that, that that was a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, that kind of offensive possession. I mean, they were passing across the offensive zone. Usually, it's not something you want to do too often because it can get picked up pretty quickly or picked off, excuse me, pretty quickly. But at the same time, I mean, they were hemming the Penguins into their zones, and they were dog tired and. They took advantage of it, and that was it. Was a fun game to watch last night. I will give them that. Um, going back to what I said uh, was the guys that are under contract. For us, there's nine of them that are with the Sabers right now. There's Skinner, Tuck, Thompson, Cousins, Krebs, Opozo, Giergensen's, Middlestat, and Skinner. Excuse me, I already said Skinner. I'm an Asplund. My apologies. That's nine players right there off the bat. You have to assume Jack Quinn's going to make the team next year. There's 10. Probably J.J. Paterka. I mean, like, could he use maybe a little bit more time in the AHL? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But let's just factor him in. Again, that's 11 right there. 
then you want to re- sounds like people, you know, fans are kind of calling for it a bit, a little bit more, uh, especially after his two goal performance uh, against Toronto and he's continued to play better and his speed is uh, is a factor in games for sure. Vinny Henestroza, there's 12 right there. Obviously, you're going to have injuries. Unfortunately, it's just the game of hockey, but you're going to have injuries. So you're going to have to have, you know, another couple guys to be your 13th forward, stuff like that, which one of them sounds probably like it's going to be Anders Bjork. I mean, what do you do there? Is a guy like Middlestat who is technically under contract next year or is under contract, I shouldn't say technically is under contract next year. Is that someone you might be able to move on from? I'm not, I'm not including Olofsson who I believe has arbitration rights and could come back next year. I mean, this is, it's starting to feel like they might need to move on from a guy or two just so they can open up a spot, especially if they want to get another veteran in there because you'd be losing guys like Eakin and Hayden and, you know, I'm not saying like they're, you know, the the almighty leaders, but they're veteran guys there. I mean, you'd be replacing them with Quinn and Paterka. They're just younger. They're kids. They're younger kids. Like, do, do you end up having to move on from a middle stat and Olafson? Um, I don't even know who else you'd really want to move on yeah. from. I mean, I think, I mean, almost in terms of veterans, I mean, like Okposo, Skinner. I mean, you got Gergensen's. I mean, honestly, Tage Thompson, I think, what is this, like his fourth, fifth year in the league? I mean, I think he got enough there. I mean, even Darlene's going to his fifth year, too, surprisingly. I mean, Cousins is kind of mature beyond his years, too. I'll give him that. Yeah, he's Cousins is in his third year already, which is, like, surprising. I mean, next year he'll be in his third year, so it's kind of surprising how fast things go. But, yeah, yeah, I think in terms of veterans, he'll be fine. But, I mean, like you said, I think, I mean, this forward group, I mean, I think anybody that watches the games knows that that middle six, I mean, some nights the lines they put together, they have good games, but, I mean, there's other nights where they're just getting wrecked out there, and there's really no consistency in that middle six. So you got to add probably at least one, two guys into there if you want any real chance at improving this team next year. So, I mean, it almost makes you think, like, Olufsen, I feel like he's kind of the front runner in the clubhouse for, like, permanent guys that could be moved. And Middlestat, I mean, that contract's not nothing. I mean, two and a half million for another two seasons. To a contending team, they might not be able to make room for a guy that could be a center, is probably an NHL winger. So, I mean, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see what Kevin Adams does. And also, he's got another twenty million just to hit the cap floor. So, I mean, he can't really run it back with the same group either, because he's not gonna be able to add that much in dead cap. So he's going to have to be paying someone that's playing hockey for the Sabres. So, and they're even paying them a lot of money. I mean, just kind of going through it, and this is just like, you know, making up lines as I go. I mean, you have Skinner, Thompson, Tuck, Krebs, Cousins, Quinn, mostly because that just sounds cool. Um, then you have Middlestat, Asplund, and... It's their own Paterka, I guess. And then you have Opozo, Gergensen's, and maybe someone else. Like, do you even, as someone who I, I was kind of hoping was going to be better this year, is do you kind of take pennies on the dollar for a guy like Asplund or even Middlestat, um, for, for that matter, to get uh, them out to, to bring in more money or better players, preferably both? I mean, 
I haven't really been all, all that impressed with that Rasmus Asplund this year. I mean, yeah, he's decent. He's a good defensive forward. So, like, if we're going to keep him to be one of the guys on the fourth line, okay, okay, fine, I guess. But other than that, like, I don't want him on my third line. I, th- I mean, the thing with Aspen for me is he provides so much defensive coverage that I think if you have, like, two guys like Cousins and Krebs, I mean, at this point in the NHL, I think they just need that. I mean, Krebs has kind of been a tire fire defensively in the NHL. Cousins has been getting better, but he's still definitely not, like, a guy you want matching up defensively. He's definitely, like, an offense-first guy. Like, I can almost see him being kind of like a Mark Shifley where he's just like all offense, but the offense is so good that the defense doesn't matter. I mean, but he's still young. So maybe there's still a good chance that part of his game will develop, but yeah, like I just, I'm just not sure you can roll out with that many young guys in the middle six and not be playing with fire. I mean, I know I've been talking about always trying to get a high pick in 2023, but at this point, I mean, I feel like I'm having too much fun to go through another rebuilding year. So I'm almost like, thinking let's go all in let's see what pieces we could find like maybe one of the late first and maybe like package it with like Yoki Haru or Middlestad or Olafson and just try to get like a top six winger like I mean maybe like you look to Vancouver they got guys like Connor Garland and players like that that could just fill in just instantly improve the Sabres middle six yeah and I think another thing is I just I keep going back to I don't think the goalie prospects are ready. The UPLs, Portillo, Levi. Yeah. I just don't think they're ready. So I think another thing they can try to look towards and using you know late first round picks, whether it's Vegas's and you have to think like let's say the Sabres. I'm not saying I really support this because I don't think I do. Um, but you know, as Vegas gets worse, that pick gets better. So does the the value of that pick. And it let's say you trade the Vegas one and Middlestad or that the Vegas pick and Yoki Hari, you still have Florida's. Yeah, it's essentially a second round pick because Florida's disgusting unless they get bounced in the first round. But at the same time, yeah, you still have another first round pick. It's again essentially like a second, but you're gonna have a top ten pick with your own. And then you'll have another one, you know, later towards towards the second round. I would preferably get rid of the Florida one and keep a hold of the Vegas one, obviously. But if it's between, you know, making a deal and giving them the Vegas one, and it's a, a really good, it's a good deal for the Sabers. Uh, I say you pull the trigger. Um, yeah, I but mean, I think a guy like a guy like Niels Hoaglander, if you could get him out of Vancouver, I mean you'd be really lucky to get a player like him with the 11th overall picks. And he's only 21. So I feel like a guy like that's available that probably shouldn't be available. I'd make that trade every day. Once you get out of like the top 10, it really gets dicey. I mean like deep drafts. Okay. You might get a really good player. Let's say it's, let's say Vegas is is 15. He didn't make the playoffs, but they were close. Maybe. Yeah. Like lucky. (laughs) Yeah. I mean like you could get a good player. You certainly can, but you could also whiff. And there's been plenty of whiffs at 15. Um, I can't really there's think of a ton the... of whiffs. I feel like yeah. There's, I mean, it almost seems like there's more whiffs than not at, at in like yeah. those teens, um, because it's usually like some like power forward that like absolutely tore up some junior league, and then they they just don't have the same offense in any other place they play, and they fizzle out. Um, you know, that's kind of my thought process towards like you know, if you know it's a bona fide like a good young player. I mean, 
as long as they pan out, it's going to be a good trade. Now, if you trade your 15th overall pick, that turns into a good player, and you trade it, and it turns into a guy that just isn't as good. Yeah, it's obviously not going to look good, but if you're going to try to ride the the wave, and especially maybe even, like I was saying, bring in a goalie, a good stopgap for the next couple of years, I'm with it. I, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm not – I again, I really prefer trading that Panthers pick and doing – as much as I probably can to not trade my top two first round picks, like I would definitely package yeah. to not trade. Would you to not trade that Vegas pick? Let's say it's 14, 15 in that range. Would you trade Florida's saying it's in the thirties, you know, like 30, 32, something like that. Would you trade the Florida pick and your second round pick as the Sabres? So, you know, late thirties, mid to late thirties, maybe 40, depending on how the Sabres end. Would you trade both of those? If that means keeping a hold of your Vegas pick? I mean, I definitely feel a lot more comfortable doing that if they were able to get like a second for Miller at the deadline. But like, I mean, I, I guess it definitely depends on the situation, but I'd be fine doing it. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I know I'm a prospect guy that does like draft rankings and whatnot, but I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like you got to realize that, a lot of guys in that range just don't really pan out. So, yeah. I mean, if you could get, as long as you're getting someone younger, I mean, my thing is like, if you're getting trading that for a guy that's like 28, I'd be like, I, I don't know. But yeah, if you're getting a guy that could be a part of the future, I mean, I would definitely consider it. I wonder, yeah, I just, I, I kind of wonder who, what kind of goalie could possibly be on the move. It sounded like, who mentioned that they might be into John Gibson? I don't remember where I heard that rumor. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the thing, I mean, the thing with goaltending for me is they just have so much money to play around with. Like, they could literally just go up to Ville Husso and be like, oh, St. Louis is offering you like $5 million for four years. Here's like $8 million for the next two years. And they'd still be like a ton of money below the cap. I mean, probably barely scraping the. The, past the cap floor so yeah i mean don't start I handing think, out like jeff skinner contracts like if you're gonna yeah, if you're I mean, gonna like, pay big money do it like short term um, yeah they could go from there yeah i feel like i mean big money short term with goaltending they could find a guy i think is honestly just the way to go at this point because they could literally outbid anyone they want to it, it's pretty and wild not, i mean they didn't really weaponize their cap situation at all during the for the deadline maybe they do yeah. it this summer the thing is is like usually deals who i think it was botterell that said it um admitted basically when he came out he was like during one of his press conferences saying deals in at the deadline usually aren't as good as the deals in the summer that are usually much better yeah it seems it i don't know it kind of feels that I, I can't really put like too much merit behind that, but that's I remember that I kind of sticking with me. Yeah, because I mean, like a guy like I don't know. I mean, there's definitely teams that overpay at the deadline, but I mean, if the market's bad, the market's bad, and I feel like that's kind of been the theme through each deadline. Like the market's different each year, so yeah. I mean, I guess it really all depends. It all depends. I mean, it that's pretty much the Sabers like mantra it all depends yeah. <laughs> it depends on these guys you know developing properly depends on one of these goalie prospects hitting it depends like yeah. the like the you know adult diapers because i'm going to literally crap myself if the sabers can't figure this out with all the pieces that they have 
Um, yeah, yeah, they I mean, might not like have the, a, they might not have a Jack Eichel, but they have so many like good pieces that they just need a couple really good ones in their set. Yeah, I mean that's definitely the good thing with this rebuild. I think is just having less things that you're dependent on breaking your way, which is literally what like the Tim Murray Bottrell rebuild failure was really based off. I was just having every single situation break your way and they were not smart enough gms to have everything break their way and when things didn't it's just turned into a disaster but i feel like with their plan they have in place now as long as they stick with it i mean they got the analytics department now they got carmanos who seems like a pretty good assistant gm as long as they stick with the plan and they have a bunch of backup plans for failures uh i think it's going to be really hard to mess things up this time around don't say that. Don't say that. I, I mean, I'm knocking on wood. I'm knocking on wood because I do have yeah. a lot of faith. I like, I like Kevin Adams. See, the thing is, as people, I really like Kevin Adams. I really like Don Granado. I really like Seth Appert. Uh, I really like a lot of these players. I'm, I'm not really – I don't know. It seems really easy for me to say I never really like Jack Eichel, like pers- like him as like a – person like his personality it's really easy for me to say that now after everything that's happened but that's kind of how i felt like i always defended him because like he's a ridiculous hockey player and the team he was playing for was screwing him out of you know his one career but i don't i just uh, i I can see how he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way especially the people he was around a lot you know i mean buffalo is a small the thing is buffalo small city Word travels fast. It is wild for me to think of all the people throughout my life, especially when I used to live in Buffalo the first time when I was a kid. I was around, like I went to preschool with a bunch of Sabres kids. Went to, you know, elementary school. I think uh, Siplikov. Uh, I forget his (laughs) first name. Like I was really good friends with his kid. Um, Brian Ruff who his dad, Lindy Ruff, I was, like, really good friends with. I remember going, like, golfing out at, at a country. You know, I'm really showing myself here, but I belonged to a country club as a kid. I didn't. <laughs> family did. But what ended up, like, golfing with Lindy Ruff a couple times and stuff like that. Like, it's a small place, and word travels fast. And I'm sure some of it is overblown, but I've also heard some not flattering stories about the guy. I'm, yeah, I'm not here I mean, to, you know, <laughs> character assassinate, but like, uh, let's, I mean, we can talk about it now because like, you know, on our team, I've heard yeah, some bad I mean, things. It, it's definitely interesting. I mean, I know at least the pressure was on him when he was like 18. I mean, yeah. I guess I kind of got a decent look at it because me and him are pretty much like the exact same age, like only like six months apart. So like, I mean, when he was, like, 18, 19, 20, I was, like, when I was that age, I was, like, I couldn't even imagine being, like, the face of the Sabres right now. But, I mean, now, as things, like, further progress, I mean, I I don't think he'll ever be a captain again. I mean, maybe once he's, like, really old. But, yeah, it's just, like, I mean, really just his comments after the game. It's, like, I feel like situations like that, you kind of get to see people's true colors, like, just times of frustration and whatnot. And... I mean, I mean, maybe that was a sneak peek to like what was going on behind the scenes this whole time, which definitely seems like more than toxic. I mean, it's just it's very evident to me. 
Um, I've really started to kind of come around to the openness that like whether they're right or wrong, they're like they say what's on their mind, like uh, Reve and Peters. Again, I know how people feel about them. Fair enough. Like I, I can, you know, I mean, everyone has their own opinions. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but they've, they real like ever, especially since they've left, you know, the Pagula Sports and Entertainment, they've, they really have kind of not held back in that sense, and they, they were essentially saying some of the things that we've kind of always heard too. Where he's just like people around the organization, like didn't necessarily like him. Like we're talking, you know, maybe not a affi- maybe not like equipment managers and stuff like that, but like just people around the stadium or affiliated with a company or like that. I don't really know what Hamilton was talking about. Like Allen said, he would never do another thing with Josh uh, with oh, Jack yeah. Eichel. I got, Here's I got blocked by him over that. You did nice. Um, yeah, by, like, I tweeted like something like uh, swear words not allowed, lying about players allowed or something, and then he blocked me. Oh yeah, well, yeah, you're like you, you know, don't yeah, it was, you know, it was you, you can lie about players, but God forbid you swear. <laughs> I'm sure he got blocked for that. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, the thing is, I went back and watched that. I mean, yeah, it sounds like he made it up, but that's it's like a plausible thing. Like it's not like he yeah. just pulled it out of thin air. I went back and watched it. Eichel did not want to be there. At all, he did not want to do that at yeah, all. Yeah, watching and that was kind of brutal. I mean, was, I think like I was so un- it was like watching The Office. I, I, it's so awkward that like it's almost funny. Yeah, like Josh, I was just like, "Hey, Jack, what do you think about this?" And he's like, "Uh, it's pretty cool. I'm know, going man. to a Pink Floyd concert in two weeks. You want to talk about that?" <laughs> yeah, like. I mean, like, Josh Allen was, like, really into it. And, like, Jack Eichel looked like he got partnered with someone in, like, a school project that he didn't want to be partnered with or something. No. It was it was, it was when he had his long hair, too. And I was just like, oh, I'm sorry. You just can't. Yeah. I'm sorry. You can't do it. I'm not, like, I'm not. I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm going after his character. I'm going after his looks. But I'm sorry, man. You just can't. You can't do the long hair. I'm sorry. It just looks really bad. <laughs> It just does. I'm sorry. Like, not everyone can do it. Not everyone can be as physically gifted as you. And that's something I have to deal with. Well, something you have to deal with, you can't have long hair. It looks really bad. <laughs> I think that's how we should end it, too. It's going to be, you know, when it comes to, like, titles, I've been struggling recently. To the point where I literally our last episode was, I we just hope Tuck is okay. <laughs> I have yeah. no idea what we're going to do with this. Like Jack's perm question mark. Like I have no idea. Um, but it feels I, right. I, like, I honestly like the mullet haircut. That was my favorite Eichel haircut. I feel like he rocked that pretty well. I mean, it's like, it's, yeah, it's your favorite Eichel haircut. It's like, it's like your favorite way to get stabbed. Do you want to get stabbed with a machete or like a jaded <laughs> knife? It's just like, yeah. The, the, I feel like the worst might have been the rookie year afro. Oh, man. Yeah. He just looks like Marv. It's, he looks like Marv and the yeah. Wet Bandits or the Sticky Bandits, whichever uh, <laughs> whichever movie you're watching. Um, I mean, I don't know. It, you shouldn't have just said those things about the fans. Like, that was your chance. And, like, I guess yeah. maybe you didn't want to say that because, like, you have new owners and new GMs, and they're going to be like, what the hell? But – at the same time, like you, they have to understand kind of where you were coming from, and I don't know. You could, you had a chance to call, and you know what? Frankly, I feel like you would have had a lot of support from us. 
some of us, excuse me, if he called out the Bagulas, or, you know, if he said something funny like, yeah, it's funny how, uh, you know, it's almost like the, uh, you know, the owners are actually here for for the first time this season and this uh, they weren't yeah. only caring about the Bills or something like that. Something along those lines are like, yeah, yeah, it sounds like they're actually, you know, getting some support for, for their players uh, on the ice or something, something yeah, along be- those lines. Like, people would have been like, ha nailed them. But then you go after the fans, everyone's just like, screw you, dude screw you even if i defended you and that's how i felt just like shouldn't have done that i mean buffalo is just such like a blue collar town i mean like the people that are at the games i mean they like work for that money to pay for tickets i mean it's like a conscious decision to spend money on tickets like these aren't like corporate seats of like people on wall street going out with investors or like business people going out clients like these are like people that work just to be able to afford to have fun and go to games like this and a lot of these people sat through some bad hockey yeah, and he was one of their only like, I don't know, one of the only pieces of worth watching at that time to have that guy just turn on your back. I mean, yeah, it's just I could definitely see why fans hate him now. <laughs> well, it was kind of funny to one see how someone put together like a compilation of like all the times Eichel was playing and that place was rocking, and it was like, yeah, like one, you're wrong, and two, it's just like. Yeah, I mean, again, he's only one player. He only plays, like, at most, like, 30% of the game or something like that as a forward, or I, I don't really know. But, like, he kind of self-burned himself, saying, like, this is the loudest ever been. It's just like, I mean, yeah, but you were yeah. Like, the leader and the captain and it, of that team. And, like, it, one, it we have examples of – Yeah, like, <laughs> this is – we have examples of, like, how loud it's been before when you were here. Yeah. So, like, one, you're wrong, and two, you're – again kind of self-owning which i love a nice self-own i do it all the time but like yeah if you're trying to like be snarky and call out people and like trying to stick it to us you you didn't stick it to anyone again you got memed too yeah he was like thinking that one through like probably like as soon as tuck scored that goal he's like oh let me think of like a good one and then like the delivery on it was just like awful and he then, genuinely yeah, I mean, like... thought he was going to roll into Buffalo. They were going to kick the crap out of the Sabres, and he was going to have at least two goals yeah. and an assist. He, ge- I genuinely he... <laughs> thought he, he felt that way. Yeah. Sabres came out like gangbusters, and he was like, oh, crap. Yeah, he Team's definitely like... had like a speech plan for after like he beat the series. He'd be like, oh, I love the city. Like The fans are great. I mean, I'm going to miss bet, this yeah. play. He, he still would have thrown a know. shot like, I bet you missed this or something, <laughs> something like that. It was really yeah. funny. It was like, I guess they, they must miss me or something. It's just like, I don't know, man. People really love Alex talking. Like, yeah, say what you want about uh, Peyton Krebs' defensive impacts, Walt. Um, I like <laughs> him. so no, um, But, like, yeah, people seem to like Peyton Krebs too. You know, whatever happens with that. People are obviously going to cheer. You know, half. You know, maybe we can even say, like, yeah, you know, half of those boos weren't even towards you. They were boos towards your team because we want you guys – to not play well hmm yeah how's that feel jack's yeah. not true but it's also the same thing about what you said about it not being loud yeah, I mean, for also like like for like the pro jack like will with that game like where they do cheer him every time he touches a puck i mean like obviously the yeah. boos are gonna outweigh like cheers like nobody's gonna like cheer and stand up every time the guy touches the puck there were some people there <laughs> that i saw like on twitter that were basically saying like i defended jack eichel for the, like the whole surgery and how the sabers like handled his entire time here he has one career kind of thing. I'm here and I'm booing because it's fun. Like, yeah, it's kind of like a group I mean, mentality. Was, like, yeah, 
Like, I mean, like the end of the, I mean, I wore a Nyquil jersey that game, I won't lie, but I mean, I remember walking back to my car, opening up Twitter, seeing his comments, and then I was like, oh, I'm like pissed at this guy now, yeah, the guy so whose like, jersey I'm wearing. <laughs> imagine, and like, just think of the people that don't have like the, the in, like the, the, I don't want to say hindsight, but like the foresight, I guess, to, to think about all the things that like Jack went through, like with his neck and the Sabres just like, no, you can't do this. He's like, dude, this is something that's going to affect me for the rest of my life. Please let me do what I want to do. Like, I just thought that was crappy the way that, you know, they handle things. But no, only people thought of he requested a trade before. Again, like, I get it because they were going nowhere. Yeah. They really yeah, were. I mean, like, they, get... they were going to trade away everyone. They were still going to trade away Ristolainen and, and probably Reinhardt. Or actually, they were just going to lose Reinhardt. Maybe they wouldn't even have traded him away if they kept Eichel. But, like, you wouldn't have Tuck. You wouldn't have Krebs. You wouldn't have that other first-round pick. Like, I, I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, really that's don't. kind of like the crazy thing. Like, I mean, like we've been talking about, he had so many things that he could go off of to keep the fans in Buffalo on his side for his entire career. And he yeah. just literally burned all those bridges trying to, like, come up with, like, a sick burn that got turned into, like, an internet meme. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I wasn't offended by, like, what he said. Which was, he was like, I'm going to hit him with a zinger. That wasn't a zinger. No one cared about what yeah, he said. I was like embarrassed for him, I feel yeah. like. It was yeah. just embarrassing. <laughs> Dude, that, that really wasn't. It was embarrassing. Um, I See, the thing is, I tried to explain to someone. I think it might even have been my parents. But like saying like, look, I don't know if I would have been able to handle those situations that he was put into. I mean, he's got Mike Harrington talking crap right in front of his face, basically saying like, yeah. how does that feel? <laughs> Um, stuff like that like yeah i might pop off too these are the same guys that were crapping on you all those years that you were here in buffalo having the worst time getting no help team stinks all this stuff like i'm i'm not saying i would be able to handle it either but i'm not in his position so i'm a, like yeah it, just, it, it was just oh dude it was just really bad it I was mean, it, if i'm if he's I'm never going to he's never going to be able to to not get booed at buffalo again i'm sorry for interrupting yeah. but like that's just it's a thing like you could have what it's just it's yeah, over. Yeah, I mean, for he's him. like done. Yeah, yeah, it's over for. Him. I was just gonna say, like, make like ten million a year. I mean, I feel like I could probably handle like a few tough questions about me playing a sport. I mean, I know that's like yeah. his day to day life, and I'm not a pro athlete. But I mean, at the same time, it's like he's not even here anymore. I mean, just kind of take the high road. But I mean, I'm kind of almost glad that he didn't, because I mean, this rivalry, I feel like, is just gonna be a lot of fun going forward. Even though they only play each other two times a year, I. It's definitely fun to have, I mean, just kind of like, I mean, just like the discussions about it as well as whenever he plays Buffalo, I feel like it's going to be pretty fun going forward. Yeah. It's like I said earlier, like people love a good rivalry, just be like, you know, with uh, Toronto or Boston, you know, with the Sabres, like even if they're better than us, like everyone still really likes those games and takes them seriously. Sabres could be the worst team in the league and Toronto could be the best. You know, people are still going to really, you know, get into those rivalries and stuff like that. It's it's for the fun of it. You know, that's what makes sports fun. Um, you know, kind of like a shout out to Jack Eichel for making, you know, this specific, you know, series between the Sabres and and the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, it's going to be must-see TV for the definitely next year, um, you know, years years after too. I know for us, we kind of said he was going to come out with a bang. He's still, like, he's playing well, like, like points-wise when it comes to, um, you know, his production out there, he's playing decently. And we kind of predicted that as well. I just, I don't know. I have a, I have a good feeling that at some point in his Vegas career, he's going to be putting in the work on the Sabres. I'm thinking next year, just because the Sabres won't be there yet. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully they're all 
Vegas is all healthy and, and all the players that are going through all these brutal injuries on their end are healthy. But yeah, man, it's going to be super interesting uh, to watch those games. Uh, you know, hopefully they're on TNT so Paul Bissonette can uh, tell, you know, Sabres fans that we're the worst fans yeah. uh, in the he's NHL. Get, that's that's a fun shtick, isn't Eichel it? on his podcast. I mean, that's really the only thing that he's like, oh, yeah, he's on my podcast. I got to, like, trash innocent Sabres fans now. Yeah, like, again, like, if you're going after management and the owners, and I know they have before, but if they do, it's just like some people even some Sabres fans will even they'll either not care. Some people will care for some reason. It's like it's like back in like high school. Like we can talk a crap about our own high school, but if someone else from another high school talks crap about our high school, like you can't do that kind of thing. Might be one of those yeah. situations, but a lot of people will probably agree with you. But dude, stop going after the fans. Like you yeah, know I mean, they're the, the most loyal, like... rabid fan base probably <laughs> in the NHL. What are you doing, man? Yeah, they're like the biggest victims in this whole situation too. Almost, they got to deal with this disaster that was caused by management. I mean, they got to sit through stuff. I mean, I've been writing articles about guys that are like permanent NHL players, like that I projected in NHL lineups like over the past three years. So yeah. it's definitely like, I mean, yeah, the the fans. I mean, especially like I feel like now it's pretty cool because there's like such like a small like loyal dedicated group of fans i almost feel like we're like sacramento kings fans or something it's like some exclusive club i Knicks mean it's fans, not the yeah. happiest people all the time but detroit lions definitely... fans if detroit yeah. lions fans and sabers fans need to come together in in harmony and sing kumbaya we will get through yeah. it i mean the only thing we need is granado to start talking about biting off kneecaps i mean that's just that's <laughs> At the end of the day, but dude, he, did you see he styled on on uh, the reporters that Harrington almost crapped his pants. He was so excited. Where Granado was like, oh, yeah. he was like, "Are you impressed with the team?" He's like, "No, this is how we should play all the time." And I was just like, "Oh, dude, that was such a good answer." I love Don Granado, yeah. man. Like he's such a cool guy. Like he might not be the the you know once all these guys get older and all this stuff, he might not be the guy. But like all indications as of right now. To me, show he is the guy for at least the next three, four, five years. I mean, things can change. Yeah. You know, uh, talking points can get stale. But I just—he's got this. He wants his team to play with swagger and this confidence. It's because he has it too. I, he's just—he's a very interesting person, and so was Ralph Kruger in a sense. But like, I don't know. You don't feel like you're getting fed snake oil from Granado. He's just kind of a straight shooter. And I can kind of see why like he and Adams, I'm, I'm sure, you know, there's points of contention just like any other job with, you know, superiors and subordinates. But I feel like him and Kevin Adams kind of are, are in the same boat ish where they just try to be straight shooter as possible as they can be and open and honest and um, challenge people's not beliefs, but, you know, challenge each other. I can see why that's a good dynamic that's working out because, I don't know. Granado just has a really good personality, and um, you know, it seems like the team's really responding. And you know, they're another thing you see with really, really good teams is they're policing themselves. They're, you know, owning it themselves. They, their coach doesn't need to go in there screaming, kicking a, a garbage can, um, all that, all that kind of stuff. You know, that like apparently Phil Housley kind of used to do. Um, you know, they have the leadership within that locker room to do it themselves. And it sounds like it's guys like Darlene 
and Cousins and all these different players that are, are stepping up along with these veteran players. So it's a it's a cause for celebration to see that all of the hard work, all of the agony that we were going through at one point in the season is starting to pay some dividends. It all doesn't at the end of the season, it all doesn't matter. Every everyone's clock, unless you won the Stanley Cup, you technically quote unquote failed. Now I don't see this season is a failure for the Sabres but the goal is to win the Stanley Cup every single season so it'll be a reset but it's a great way to end the season as of right now there's still about a month left and if they go on a bender in the worst way then we're going to be singing a different tune but if they can finish strong this is that it's going to pay dividends I would hope and I would hope it starts paying dividends puck drop opening night next season yeah I mean it, they definitely got the right systems in place. I mean, with Granado's tenure here, I mean, I really think it's all up to what Kevin Adams could do. I mean, I know Granado probably loves the group like personally that he has now, but I mean, I'd be shocked if he's a guy that like doesn't want to like upgrade some of these positions with some higher priced, just more talented players. So they definitely, I feel like they're definitely building something i mean it's the nhl it's almost impossible to not build anything for two decades let alone one i know this is and this is going to be the last question we've been going for a while now but here's something um i know was talking about season ticket holders but we're going to talk about a little crossover kim uh when it comes to the sabers yes you have the young guys like the biggest thing for a hockey player is like probably one where they're going to be living so when you're gonna be living in buffalo that's tough but young up-and-coming team rasmus Dahlin, especially for some of these veteran guys you can get freaking paid from the sabers you sign a two-year contract you can get absolutely paid if you're a good veteran player here's another thing you're going to be around for the Buffalo Bills, which seems like they're going to be doing pretty well. Obviously, that is very far down the list for someone to come in. But, I mean, there's it's not a bad thing if you have a really good Buffalo Bills team and a young up-and-coming Sabres team to try to attract people on top of, yeah, it's Buffalo, but we have all these young players, and look how much freaking money you can make. I mean, that's that's a cause for... Again, I'm not trying to overstate the, oh, guys are going to come play for the Sabres because the Bills are good. No, that's not what I'm saying. But that, including all of the other things I mentioned, I mean, it could actually, I've always talked about the Sabres being like the last place as a destination. It might be a little bit better, you know, like it could start becoming a destination or dare I say hockey heaven. I'm starting to look out years and years from now, but like, do you have any kind of vibes feeling that way, or am I totally just like high on the uh, you know good vibes that the Sabers are giving off right now? If you need to talk me down, please do so now. I think people might recognize the good vibes, but honestly, I feel like Buffalo's biggest selling point, especially in hockey, is that just like I feel like half the league comes from the Greater Toronto area. So just being yeah, like a good point. within a two-hour drive of that entire area, like even yeah. as furthest points, is huge. Certainly. And also, like a lot of guys come from Nordic countries. So just so, to be I on mean, this coast, like, yeah. Yeah, a lot of them are like used to like the climate, so like they don't really mind. So 
I guess. I mean, yeah, but I mean, the Bills, I mean, I, I know Taylor Hall posted a video with the Bills jersey almost exact, almost like a few days after he signed. Yeah. And I maybe mean, he signed here because of the Bills. I mean, he seems like the type of guy that would maybe do that. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, again, I wasn't trying to overstate it, and I'm just trying to have a little fun, but that would be really cool if, you know, um, we could see more collaborations with, you know, the Bills, and it's not Jack Eichel wanting to get off this teleconference with Josh Allen that's literally leading yeah. the conversation. Again, like they gotta do something with uh Tommy Doyle, the lineman the Bills drafted last year. Apparently he played hockey, I think, up until eighth grade in Minnesota. Oh yeah. I feel like they, they should try to do something with him. It'd be, it'd be pretty funny to see that guy on skates. Six like eight. Six, eight oh god. Yeah. I mean he just standing next to Tage Thompson. I mean like yeah Tage isn't as big because he's not an offensive lineman, but Probably around the same height on skates. Good God, that's <laughs> hey. Sign them to a, you know a uh, make them a two sport athlete. You know, football yeah. season is saber or the Bills will be done after whatever date the Super Bowl is next year. Yes, I just said that. Um, you know, we'll uh, Amherst could sign to ATO. That's right through the system. That's right. Speaking of ATOs, PTOs. Um, now that the Sabres haven't traded a bunch of people, like, first of all, if you've made it this far in the podcast, shout out to you. Big pat on the back to yourself for that. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. Obviously, Sabres, Sabre Metrics podcast is hosted by the Charging Buffalo. Um, last thing, even though I said this like three, four questions ago, probably at this point. Um, power. Uh, we got Levi. Uh, some some other I'm talking about guys that that might or probably will sign after you got uh, Power Johnson Levi playing of course there's Constantini Hugel and uh, Portillo that are also playing in the Frozen Four tournament but maybe Portillo could sign but the other two certainly won't. Uh, what do you think about? I think for me would be a an amateur tryout for Johnson. Um, down in Rochester, basically saying like, "Hey, we just want you to get reps to a team that's probably going to go to the playoffs, and um, you know, kind of build up your uh, familiarity with players like Quinn and Paterka, stuff like that." Levi probably. <sighs> I like Tukarski. I like Anderson. I think you might give him a game or two with the Sabers and see what's going on there, and then do the same. Like again, you should have no loyalty to Aaron Dell, so you should roll with. UPL and, and Devin Levi in the, you know, down the stretch for the Amherst or in the playoffs or whatever. Screw Aaron Dell. I don't care. I just don't care. Um, and then Power, you should just give him a PTO. And, you know, or if you, I guess they would have to burn a year, maybe. I don't know exactly what they can work out. I don't know the nuances of that. Hopefully yeah, they would bring him up to Power, Buffalo, though. Yeah, Power, I mean, I think they're stuck. Even, I mean, he's a first all pick, so he's definitely getting an entry level contract. So I believe that burns the year automatically. So he'll have two years left on his ELC. And then with Ryan Johnson, I mean, it makes sense for him to get an ATO, but at the same time, he's got yeah. so much leverage on the Sabres. Yeah, he really does. Have a hard time. Like he's a Southern California guy. His uh, two like two of the top defensive partners on Minnesota. One of them, Jackson Lacombe, is an Anaheim prospect. Brock Faber, his actual partner on defense, is an LA prospect. Darlene Power and Samuelson yeah. on the left side. Like I mean, it, yeah, it can't be that hard to convince a kid to like go back to college senior year, have a light class load, like party it up in the off season, and then go back home to SoCal and 
play hockey in the sun for the Ducks or Kings. So I don't know. With him, I feel like honestly, I'm a huge Ryan Johnson fan, so I think he could maybe step into the NHL right away. But yeah, I think you're he might be another guy you're stuck having to give an ELC to. You know, do it. If you have to, do it. Just yeah. Make sure make sure he's in the system. If it, it, look, maybe two years from now you have to trade him. But just do it. Make sure he's in your system. Don't lose him for nothing. It's the same thing I try to preach with everything. It's just asset management. Don't lose a player, especially a player of his caliber. You drafted him in the first round uh, yeah. a couple of years ago. Like you just can't you, you gotta get him in. You gotta get him in. Um he does have a lot of leverage, so hope to God he doesn't pull Cal Peterson. I think that's about yeah. it for us on on this episode. Uh, anything else, uh, Walt, on your end, or is it time to sign off? Uh, I mean, the one thing I wanted to bring up before we sign off is uh, the Charging Buffalo started a Sabres Twitter community. Oh my God, that's right. So, yeah. So, if you're on Twitter, I mean, it's like kind of like the sidebar thing with like kind of like the two, mm-hmm. the two people in front of each other. If you just go in the search bar and look up Sabres Twitter, uh, you'll find that community. And it's fun. It's just like, yeah, it's a lot of fun during the, the game last night. Oh, so yeah. it's just a lot of fun to be able to talk to other Sabres fans on there. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely plugging that. Again, this is Sabermetrics Podcast hosted by the Charging Buffalo. Check out Underdog Fantasy if you haven't already. Um, using code TCB, I believe it is, uh, for all different types of, you know, kind of perks when you sign up. Uh, I think that's about it for us. So, again, Season 2, Episode 9 of the Sabermetrics Podcast. My name is Bill. That is Walt. We'll catch you on the next one.